since the Oculus Rift came out five years ago, Facebook continues to make steady bets on the future of our virtual interactions. Facebook's Oculus Quest 2 has been more successful than previous Oculus hardware, and Facebook's betting on AR glasses down the road. What comes next? Let's have a listen to part one of a two-part interview I conducted with Mark Zuckerberg to find out. I'm Scott Stein filling in for Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. Mark, I, I had a chance to meet you, uh, I guess it was, it's not quite two years, but it was about a year and a half ago uh, in person at Oculus Connect. And we, we looked at hand tracking, we talked about VR and AR, um, and then like, months later, uh, the, the entire world changed. It, it wasn't that long after. Uh, I wanted to talk to you now as, as, as we look at VR and, and AR, have you, in five years since the Oculus Rift came out, where do you see VR and AR for you now versus what it was even in 2019? Have things significantly changed or are there things that you wish were here but still aren't? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's an incredibly exciting time for this. Oh, it's pretty amazing to see how a lot of the aspects of the original vision and what we hoped would play out here are starting to fall into place. And, um, you know, it's still a long-term journey, right? And, and there's still you know, just a ton that needs to get done over the next five plus years to, to really deliver all the experiences that we want. Um, but there are a lot of awesome pieces that are coming into place and, and I'm excited to, to get a chance to talk about those today. And at the same time, you're right that with the with the pandemic and you know more people shifting towards uh, you know being more remote more of the time, I think that that's just put even more importance on building technologies that give us a sense of presence and that help us uh, you know feel like we're together and, and and really get to connect naturally, whether that's socially or professionally um, or for entertainment and playing games. Um, and that's always been the promise of virtual and augmented reality is that, you know, unlike every other computing platform and, and type of screen that we've had to date, these platforms give you a sense of presence, like you're right there with another person or in another place. And, um, and that's pretty magical, right? And, and every other communication tool that we've built up to this point is trying to approximate that. But virtual and augmented reality are the, the first ones that really... Um, deliver that sense of presence. And I think that that is going to be increasingly important as the world, um, I, I imagine, will stay uh, more remote as we come out of the, the, the pandemic. But a lot of the pieces that that I guess you, you and I had talked about before are, are just kind of coming into place. Well, and you mentioned presence, and I think a lot about social, which, um, you know, you've mentioned uh, more of a groundswell for VR. At the same time, it's not something I talk to some people and they don't they don't have any VR headset. Other people I know are, are starting to actually buy them, uh, and and I have like a little group that has them. I, I was curious where you see that right now. Recently, you've mentioned sales number. You know, you don't specifically mention sales numbers, but you, you've mentioned it coming along, not necessarily being as big as Nintendo Switch. But um, do you think it's it's kind of achieved that social level you wanted? Well, we're in the second generation of Quest now, and what I can say is that Quest Two is doing quite well. It's um it's it's meaningfully outperforming even what we'd hoped for it, um, so that's that's great. Um, and you know, as the the second generation Quest, I feel like there was, you know, Quest was where we really cracked the form factor and got it to be um, a wireless uh, device that can do high quality experiences. I think that 
when you're when you're talking about virtual reality in the sense of presence, there really is something that's incredibly important about it being wireless. Um, just because you know, if you if you get a wire that's like wrapped around your neck or draped over your shoulder and it's touching you, it really just breaks the whole illusion and sense of presence. And I think it's a big step function forward in terms of the quality of the experience. Um, and it requires a lot of innovation to achieve that. So I think what we've seen is that a lot of the other folks in the space haven't been able to to deliver that wireless experience yet. And um, and I think that that will will likely continue to hold back some of those products. But um, we had the first generation Quest. We improved on it with Quest 2. That's going quite well. Um, so I, what I look at is the trajectory of how these things are going. You know, how is how is the next version of that after that going to go and the next version after that? And we have really exciting products in the roadmap that, um, you know, for down the line that um, that, that I, I just think are, are going to be really awesome. Um, but it's, you know, Quest 2 has been an inflection point, I think, for the adoption around this. You mentioned some of the roadmap and, and recently I, I heard in a, a chat mentioning of uh, the existence of a Quest Pro. I think it was um, Andrew Bosworth who brought it up and um, is there any idea of like what that, is that something that would be for business or do you imagine there being possibly, you know, different levels of interest at different tiers for, for what Oculus Quest could be? Yeah. So this is certainly something that we're working on is basically having a, a higher end um, virtual reality experience. And, you know, again, I, I think a lot of, a lot of this is if traditionally, if you wanted to get a virtual reality device that had more power, you know, the thing that you did was you you wired it to a PC or some other compute. And, you know, that's some that's one way to do it. But I think the trade-off on requiring the wire is is too great in terms of the experience around um, what you trade off on an immersion and being able to walk around. And even if you're sitting at, at, at a desk and, and doing productivity work, I don't think you want, um, you know, that that wire basically breaking the sense of presence. Um, so even for, for Quest 2, we, we focused a lot on, you know, Airlink we just released, which is, you know, the, the ability to now stream games from your PC. So you can take advantage of the power of the PC and, and still have a wireless experience, which I think is really important. But there are other aspects that make uh, virtual reality, um, you know, a higher end experience as well, including, you know, putting more power in it in terms of different different types of sensors and capabilities on the device. Um, and we do want to be able to support a, a wider range of, um, of, of use cases. I mean, I think one of the things that's been quite exciting with Quest 2 is, is seeing it broaden out, right? It's still, you know, primarily gaming is, is a lot of what people do on it. But, you know, we're starting to see, you know, the, the top few apps are, are social apps where, where people hang out together. Um, and we're starting to see an increase in apps for kind of creative production or productivity or people getting together to work. Um, one of the things that I've been pretty excited to, to see is uh, is this growth of fitness apps, right? So you see apps like FitXR and Supernatural, which are basically subscription services where you can, you know, take different classes doing boxing or dancing or, you know, different things. It's almost like Peloton, right? It just kind of as easy to jump into and you pay a subscription and now you're, you, you can, you can do your workouts that way. And from my perspective, this is sort of, it's filling out the initial vision and hope that we had for VR about how there are going to be all these different use cases, right? It's amazing for gaming, but it's not only for gaming. And I think part of the question is, um, you know, if you were, if you were focused on building a, a higher end, um, device, 
that that could really max out further on you know some of those other use cases in addition to doing the gaming pieces. Um, now I think there are some interesting questions about how you design that. Now it's not coming out anytime soon. Um, it's it, but but it's um, but that's certainly something that we're we're excited about and having different uh, products that that basically can can um, serve different use cases really well. Yeah, when you mentioned fitness, it was an area I definitely wanted to talk to you about because I've been using mine more for that. I see that you know it's being a position for that. It's a an ad in the New York Times talking about it as a fitness device. And I, I see like, a, I believe Facebook is um, allowing um, an expense of it as a, as a health and wellness device. Um, do you use it to for, yeah, for right. fitness yourself? Um, I was curious about if you have a, a fitness workout or things you use or have you uh, worked that into your life? Yeah, I mean, I, I use all these different apps. Um, you know, so I love Beat Saber. I mean, that's one of my favorite things um, on, on Quest. Um, you know, I've, I've certainly enjoyed FitXR um, as well, and you know, I'm a big runner, right? So that's that we don't we don't quite have that in VR yet, um, and and I I'm, I'm also you know a surfer and and um, foiler, so I uh, you know I I'd really you know want us to get a good experience where you can where you can basically do the pumping part um, uh, in, in VR, but we don't we don't quite have that yet. Um, but no, I, I think in all of these things, you know, being, you know, doing, you know, Beat Saber or FitXR Supernatural, I mean, they're, they're real workouts. And I mean, if I'm in Beat Saber, you know, especially if I'm competing with one of my friends, um, you know, for half an hour or an hour, I mean, you definitely work up a sweat and you get tired by the end of that. So it's, um, it's pretty active. And, and I, I, I think it's pretty clear why people really like it. Do you set up any space in your home that's like a dedicated VR zone or are you... Uh, where you do these things or any time of day where you might do workouts with this? Um, I mean, one of the things about Quest and, and it being wireless and standalone is it is really uh, portable to be able to do it anywhere. So, I mean, I have a, you know, in our living room and, and in our basement, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll kind of go down there and there's there's sort of bigger open spaces. But but I mean, I'll I'll even just do it in, in, in our bedroom, right, where I probably have a, you know, more traditional um you know, not particularly huge space to do it, but but definitely enough. But again, I think that this gets down to the form factor question, right? And and at the time where you know, getting into the experience, you had to be tethered to a desk or tethered to, or even in, in the same room as where your your gaming PC was, um, I think was just a bit more limiting for people. And getting it to be more free flowing, um, I, I think, is a very big advance in terms of letting people try it on in different places, making it easier to jump in. Um, and I think that's why that's that's a big part of what we're seeing here, and why we're so dedicated to wireless as the form factor, and in all of the things that that we're going to focus on, um, you know, including the the future Quest Pro work that that we're that we're thinking about. You know, I think that that's that's just going to be a, a killer part of it. But um, I don't know. I guess you also asked about about uh, kind of routines. I mean, I have this. You know, I have one group of you know a bunch of my friends on. On, on a messenger group thread and, you know, we, we, it's like our metaverse thread. And, you know, we basically every weekend or so, um, you know, someone pings the thread and is like, Hey, do you want to play you know, onward or, or do you want to play population one? Or do you want to play, um, you know, Arizona sunshine? I mean, those are, those are a bunch of my favorite, uh, multiplayer games. And, um, and, 
I think that that's probably the closest thing that I have to to like a real ritual around this is is kind of getting together with friends and, and going to do this, which you know, over the last year, especially during the pandemic, when I couldn't see a lot of these people in person, was just really a neat thing to be able to do and, and really drove home for me the value of being able to have those kind of social and gaming experiences together. Uh, yeah, I've been finding I'm sort of getting into the same. Uh, when, when you mentioned fi- uh, fitness and, and I th- you mentioned sensors at one point, it, it raises the question for me. Do you, do you think that there's uh, a chance of these fitness apps working more with uh, watches and trackers? I know you're working on risk tech for, for neural inputs and AR. Um, and, and does that open doorways for, for VR and in looking at even um, you know, more of a wellness and, and wellness studies direction for what Fort Fitness can do? Yeah, I think that these are all really interesting questions, and and we are certainly working on the the neural interfaces part and the the wrist interface around that. And our, our hope is that eventually that works um, across virtual and augmented reality, and and will be valuable across all these things. Um, but yeah, I mean, getting back to your question around around Quest Pro, there's just there are a lot of sensors um, that would add different senses to to basically. To the overall experience, right? So we've talked a bit about you know things like eye tracking and, um, and face tracking, and you know you're talking now about things like um, different health sensors, whether that's heart rate monitoring or um, you know, the different other other kinds of fitness sensors that that you, that you might have on a, on a fitness watch. And I think the the basic thing that these all have in common is that you know each of them takes additional compute power to to power the thing. Um, and, and the whole device needs to be tuned for that. So if you want to basically have a device over time that is just capable of all of these more things and is running an increasing number of sensors, you need to get to kind of higher and higher end devices. And then the question for us is going to be, well, how do we innovate on, on kind of what that's going to look like and be able to deliver something that's a high end product? And then also, how do we get it to be something that is really affordable for a very wide number of people, right? Because our, our mission as a company is, is really to help, you know, connect everyone, right? It's, you know, and our approach to VR is that, you know, rather than building a device and trying to sell it at a premium and make a bunch of money on the device, what, what we want to do is, is build a great experience um, and, and make it so that as many people as possible can experience this and can be part of this metaverse. And, 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 and then at the end of the day, we build experiences that are, that are part of that, and, and that'll be the long-term business that, that, that we do. So I, I think the innovation on the, the sensor side, the, the compute side to make sure that we can, that we can build devices that power these, um, both at the high end and devices that can, that can be broadly available to everyone, um, that's, that's kind of a big part of what we're focused on over the next five years. And it sounds like affordability is a big part of that, too, when you mentioned, um, you know, not not climbing too high in price. I mean, already the Quest 2 is, has reduced price and it got to a point where it's game console level, which is not something that other companies have been able to hit yet. Yeah, that's right. I mean, getting to 299 on Quest 2, I think was a really big deal. And I, I think that that's, that's something that we wanted, to, we wanted to get to. The team worked really hard on that. I'm really proud of them. They did a lot of really hard work to, to be able to achieve that. Um, and we wanted to see how that would affect um, accessibility for it, and and I think that that's been that's been pretty good um, in, in terms of the results that we've seen there. But I mean, as you mentioned, at this point, even game consoles are more expensive than that, right? So I, I think that there's there's you know some ability for for it to be um, a, a little more expensive, 
but um, but we want to make it, you know, but our, our bottom line on this is like, we're not approaching this from the perspective of, you know, how do we charge people as much money as possible um, and, and make profit on the devices? We want to get as many people as possible to be able to experience um, virtual reality and, and, and be able to jump into the metaverse and then be able to have these social experiences within that. And then that's really um, kind of where, where our bread and butter is, as a company is in terms of building those experiences. And, and that's also what our business is. That's a good place to take a break for now. Check back tomorrow for part two of the conversation, where we discuss social, kids, and where VR might fit into work. You can also read this conversation and our story on CNET.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge, or sign up for direct text messages by heading to CNET.co slash Daily Charge, or follow me on Twitter at JetScott. And if you liked what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Scott Stein. Thanks for listening.